Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajah Talib. And Washahat is a little bit under the weather today, folks, but I will say this, that there is just too much news for him to lay down with his chai, like I told him to. Uh, Us vermin are a resilient species, Danielle. Us vermin don't let a fever knock us out. Right. So let us let's start with with the top of the news cycle, uh, Waj, which is the comment that you just made um, that Donald Trump has now made twice. Mm. Um, Donald Trump is saying every bit of every loud part out loud uh, for everyone to hear. And so last week, Donald Trump has begun what I am referring to as his escalation campaign. The the stochastic terrorism escalation campaign where his Hitler, quote, like rhetoric um, is at an all time high. And so in speeches that he is given, he is referring to enemies of the state as, quote, internal enemies, as, quote, vermin. And by vermin, he is referring to President Biden, other leading Democrats, uh, special counsel Jack Smith. Merrick Garland, journalists, reporters, non-white migrants. This is all from a Salon article that is up right now entitled Trump's Public Plan for Revenge Hands Mm. Democrats the Greatest Opportunity for Positive Outcome. And so I just want to get your initial reactions, because here's the thing. With so much happening globally, I think that it is very difficult for Americans who have the attention span of a gnat to pay Mm. attention to what the Republicans are doing. We have a Handmaid's Tale, 18th century loving, you know, Bible thumping, right wing fascist who doesn't believe in democracy, two heartbeats away from the presidency with the installation of Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. You have Donald Trump talking about vermin and the need Mm. to exterminate and put people into camps or worse. What do you make of what is happening at this moment? It is exactly what you and I have warned about for years. The fact that Donald Trump is an authoritarian leader who is cares about no one but himself and will use and abuse any leverage of power that he can glom onto 
to have retribution against his enemies, and those enemies are both real or perceived. Those enemies include Republicans. Those enemies include poll workers. Those enemies include the press. Those enemies include uh, the government, FBI, uh, foreign leaders. Anyone and everyone who stands between him and power is the enemy who will be crushed. And the Republican Party is no longer a normal political party, Danielle. It is, as we have said, a radicalized, weaponized movement, which is uh, still, uh, as we know, they, the leaders realize this guy's a nut. That's what they say behind the scenes. But because the other options are uh, brown on brown crime, Vivek and Nikki Haley and, and Tim Scott, uh, I think, is going to spend time with his girlfriend. So he's dropped out of the race. So now it's just Donald Trump. So who does the party belong to? Donald Trump. And so Donald Trump is all in. He's all in on fascism. And if you don't believe me, another big piece of news that would have been like the leading news, but now is like, I think, news item number eight. What we found out from the pretrial hearings of, in Georgia is that Jenna Ellis, one of his many, many incompetent lawyers, yep, openly yep. said that uh, a Trump aide confessed to her. This is, by the way, before the, the, the January 6th insurrection. He will never leave. Even if he loses, he will never leave. And this mm -hmm. was Jenna Ellis saying it. So we know there is a violent insurrection. We know that a majority of the Republican Party believes the big lie. We know a majority of the Republican Party trusts Trump, Danielle, more than their own pastors, more than their own family members. And this guy used literally the language of Adolf Hitler. And let's not, for, let's not forget, he had a copy of Mein Kampf. Remember that? People forget that he yes. had a copy of Mein Kampf. Uh, he used to study that book. He just referred to all of his enemies as vermin. And what do you do to vermin, Danielle? You exterminate them. I believe them. you exterminate them. Yes. And, you know, here's, here's the thing that I want folks to understand is that, you know, there is another piece. Um, and I, I want to reference this because it's also very important. Um, because all of these pieces I feel that are happening right now are kind of falling on non-listening ears. And why do I hmm. say that? I think it is because we are so deep spinning in trauma and mm. crises everywhere that we look that it's like we're we're in the exorcist and our heads right. are just spinning round and round and round. But here's some another person um, who wrote a piece in The New York Times this week, Jamel Bowie. Um, the title of this piece is called Trump Wants Us to Know um, He Will Stop at Nothing. In 2025. Right. And right. this is what I just want to read just a little piece of this, because here's what Jamel Bowie says um, over and over. He said, given the former president's rhetoric attacking political enemies and other supposedly undesirable groups like the homeless, Trump has said that the government should remove homeless Americans and put them in tents on large parcels of inexpensive land in outer reaches of the city. Wow. Here's the thing that he says, there's little doubt that some citizens would find themselves in these large and sprawling camps. In the past, Trump has gestured, right? He says, uh, a, a seeking a third term in office after serving a four-year term in the White House. We're going to win four more years, he said in 2020. And then after that, we'll go for another four years because they spied on my campaign. We should get a redo of four years. Right. Mm. This, too, would violate the Constitution. But then in a world in which Trump gets his way on his authoritarian agenda, the Constitution and the rule of law would already be dead letter. 
he goes on in this piece to say that Donald Trump, literally everything that he said that he was going to do in 2016, he did. <laughs> he said, he, he said, quote, he would build a wall. He tried to build a wall. He said he would try to keep Muslims out of the country. Guess what he did? He tried to keep Muslims out of the country. He said he would do as much as he could to restrict immigration from Mexico. He did as much as he could to restrict immigration from Mexico. He even suggested in the lead up to the 2016 presidential election that he would reject an election defeat. And four years later, he lost his bid for reelection. And we all know what happened next. So here is Jamel Bowie in this New York Times piece saying, Donald Trump wasn't spitting lies, right? In 2016 and in 2020, when he said what he wanted and what his vision was for America. So when he starts referring to his political enemies as vermin, as people that need to be taken out, mm. why are people still shrugging this off is the question. Well, he's good entertainment. They're complicit with him, right? It's one of those situations that we've talked about where Les Moonves, I think it was 2015, who was the former head of CBS before he had to resign due to sexual harassment allegations, said, and I think I'm quoting him exactly what he said, Donald Trump might not be good for America, but he's good for CBS. And mm -hmm. I thought, I always come back to that quote, Daniel, because it's so pure. It's just such a beautiful articulation of capitalism of what truly matters, the North Star in America, right? Because we want to think it's freedom and democracy and liberty and truth and journalistic integrity, but we're old enough to know it's ratings and eyeballs and money and access to power and influence. And lo and behold, even though Donald Trump, another thing that he said was he's going to have ideological screenings, folks, about who gets to come in. He's going to Deport anyone that's anti-Semitic. Well, how do you define anyone who's anti-Semitic? Well, maybe if they're critical of Israel's war, they're anti-Semitic. They're going to get kicked out, right? Uh, he's going to straight up, uh, Ryan Zinke, one of the most corrupt people of his corrupt administration, people forget this, just a week and a half ago, said that he's going to deport Palestinians and actually ban Palestinians from coming, right? So if Donald Trump wins, who's going to be part of his administration again? Zinke. So he's literally telling you this, ideological screening, open up, you know, mm -hmm. he'll be open to camps. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he'll deport anyone who's quote unquote anti-Semitic. He's going to crush, crush all of his enemies. He's going to mm -hmm. go after law enforcement. Uh, anyone who's part of the media that doesn't like him, enemy of the people who has used that, fascists in the past. And yet, lo and behold, yesterday, with all of this, Daniel, a little big news nugget that we, we one of the 800 friggin' horror shows, Univision, with his new leadership, has canceled Biden ads. And mm -hmm. apparently we found out that the new uh, the new quote unquote administration of Univision is decidedly going in the pro-Trump camp and is going to yep. tilt coverage for Trump, despite everything that I've just said that Trump said he's going to do to, let's be honest, mostly Muslim and Latino immigrants. So the, the, the leadership of Univision, whose audience is a huge swath of Latinos, not just Latinos, is going to whitewash Trump, is going to mm -hmm. hurt Biden. Because they have realized that, you know what? Trump might be better business for us. I mean, I just feel like that example is just an exquisite example of what really matters in America. That, like, the powers that be, instead of challenging Trump and fascism, will coddle it, will whitewash it, will rationalize it, will infantilize it, will, will keep saying that, you know, he needs another four more years to become presidential. Maybe at the age of 81, he'll be presidential. 
And meanwhile, you got college students right now who are getting their friggin' careers destroyed and their face on the side of uh, trucks and doxxed because they might have the, quote, wrong opinion. But Donald Trump can straight up, straight up cite the most anti-Semitic person on earth, Hitler. Eh, you know, both sides. You know, D- and, didn't, and didn't Clinton say deplorable? Didn't Clinton say mm-hmm. deplorable? Yeah, she did. And did, was she just recently on The View uh, telling the American people once again that if Donald Trump becomes president in 2024 uh, and, and reigns supreme in 2025, that our democracy is done? And maybe, just maybe, we want to listen to the woman that told us well in advance who Donald Trump was and what he would do to this country. Um, but we didn't because we don't listen to women, right? Let alone smart women that are in power. So I I, I want to say this too, um, because I, I find it really disturbing is that I try and, you know, as folks that listen to all of my shows know that I have been trying my best to find hope, to find center, to mm. find grounding in humanity. Mm. That is not to say that I do not have a real significant lump in my stomach and a break Mm. in my heart about what will happen to people like us if Donald Trump becomes president in 2024. Donald Trump, according to Jenna Ellis, as you just said, will not leave the White House. Republicans will, with their Heritage Foundation 2025 plan, which is up on their website, backed by billionaires, Mm. will undo every last bit of the constitution of civil liberties and rights and things that you are seeing that we are appalled by, that we are horrified by, that are happening not only in Israel and Gaza, in Russia and in Ukraine, in the Congo and in other places will be on our fucking doorstep. And so I am terrified. I am genuinely terrified because what I see right now, Waj, is this perfect storm that is a combination of greed and complicity by corporate media that is being emboldened and funded by greedy, fascistic billionaires who have politicians in their pockets that is then being ushered in through policy by a white supremacist, anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-woman, anti-democratic Republican Party. And so there is nowhere, as we are watching now the Democratic Party be split over what is happening in the Middle East and the United States funding, continuation Mm. of funding of what is happening in the Middle East. I don't know where this coin flip ends. But I know that I, for one, am actually genuinely terrified. Well, I mean, you know, to to bring it all into full circle, I'll give you an example of an image that I think will haunt us, but also articulates exactly what you're saying is that what really matters. There was a a huge march for Israel. Um, It happened in D.C. just a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. They're saying anywhere from 250 to 300,000 people showed up. And, uh, you know, at that march, very interesting who showed up at Mm -hmm. that march, because like I said, Donald Trump and Republicans who apparently really care about Israel, but Jews not so much, <laughs> you know, where they're perfectly fine with anti-Semitism. And like I said, people like us, and you know, I've, I've shared this with you, but you can just look at my Twitter feed. I th- I've tried to be a very balanced and rational person. 
Uh, I'm with the majority of folks in America as the, as the polls come out who want to cease fire. Reuters just came out and said, you know, most people don't have the appetite anymore for Israel's ongoing war. Um, yet we, especially with our melanin, if you are remotely critical of Israel's action in Gaza, you're called, well, what called anti-Semitic. And the squad right now, a, a big piece just came out that a, APAC is going to spend, folks, wait for it. I'm going to put my pinky in my mouth. $100 million to take out the squad. $100 million to take out the squad because uh, they're demanding a ceasefire and because the squad, all people of color, uh, have some humanity towards Palestinians, right? So you look at the March for Israel uh, rally, guess who was on the stage? And this is just, you can't even write this better. Chuck Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries, holding hands, Danielle, with Mike Johnson, a man who is, like you said, two people removed from the White House, a man who openly, when we find out more about him, it seems like he literally is a caricature from Handmaid's Tale, a man who was part of the, you know, uh, what do you call the ex-gay movement or when, when you try to like torture gays to stop mm -hmm, being gay mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. was a lawyer a man who uh, is an election denier a man who openly doesn't believe in separation of church and state they're holding hands with him and guess who was also there uh, and this is why we should be afraid pastor hagee now for those of you who don't know who pastor hagee is mm. pastor hagee mm. is an evangelical christian leader who runs the largest zionist group in america people forget they think oh the largest zionist group in america is jewish nope christians united for israel Christians United for Israel is the largest Zionist group in America. It is Netanyahu's base. When I went and visited Israel, I went to a settlement in the West Bank, uh, Ariel, huge mm -hmm. settlement. Yeah. State-of-the-art gymnasium named after Pastor Hagee. Uh, mm -hmm. Danielle, do you want to tell people what Pastor Hagee thinks about Jews and gays? <laughs> I mean, should I say so in a clean manner? Let's just say he would like us not to be on this same planet with him. Oh, oh, blame 9-11 on the gays. Blame 9-11 right. on the gays. Um, said God said sent. That, that said God sent, uh, the, basically God, God sent the planes, right? Because of our embrace uh, of uh, same-sex marriage and our embrace of, or leniency, because same-sex marriage hadn't passed uh, at that time yet. It would be 15 years. But because, you know, you're treating gay people like people that this is why things rain down supreme. He's one of those people that also believed, you know, that AIDS was purposeful, right? Like we can go, we can go on and on and on in but the also list about Hitler. What he said about Hitler, that God sent Hitler to do the Holocaust, which was a good thing then because it then enforced yeah. the creation of Israel. From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the Senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, 
a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. So Correct. you have all those people at that march, and then guess who else you have at that march? Uh, your friend, your former friend, oh, Van do Jones. Do not call him my friend. Do not call him my friend. Uh, uh, Van uh, Jones. Van Jones uh, was on stage. And let's just say that the Van Jones that I knew 15 years ago is not the same Van Jones that exists today. Uh, the Van Jones that got up on that stage um, while embracing all of this uh, pro-Israel stance, wanted to say, you know, we should care about all children. We should care about, you know, stopping the bombs and all of these things that, that are dropping in Gaza uh, and dropping from Gaza and in Gaza is what he said. And the crowd broke into what? Waj, what kind of <laughs> chance did they break into? Boo. He was shook. He was really shook. He was not expecting. You can see the video. You all should see the video where Van Jones is like stumbling. He's like, oh, uh, ooh, uh. They, they, and not they only did they break into booze, they also broke into chants of no ceasefire. Mm, mm. And and you sit there, and the reason I, I bring this up is okay, anti-Semitism is real, it's spiking. So you're gonna bring Pastor Hage. <laughs> okay. Uh xenophobia, white nationalism is terrible. So uh you're gonna coddle uh Donald Trump. Uh oh, hey, by the way, you know, election deniers and the violent insurrection is a real ongoing threat. Oh, so we're going to stand hand uh we're going to stand in hand with Mike Johnson. Uh, uh and and we're going to do it uh because we're going to show united front. And so it was just an articulation to me, Danielle, of what really matters at the end of the day. It's power, it's mm-hmm. influence, it's mm-hmm. money, it's mm-hmm. votes. And it is something interesting though, Danielle, because if we use this example you know, we've talked about this, this huge disconnect between the majority and even the Biden administration. Let's just use on Israel and Palestine, right? Like Republicans, independents, and Democrats, overwhelming majority of them, even now with the Reuters poll, want a ceasefire. Uh, most people are disgusted with this. And yet you see this disconnect between yeah. the people and power. And it reminds me, Daniel, of post 9-11, where there was a similar disconnect after a, a bit of time. But it didn't stop power from abusing its power to engage in reckless, destructive actions, which benefited the few at the expense of generations. So I'm really curious, will we have learned enough from 9-11? Will we have learned enough from the Trump era? Will we have learned enough from the violent insurrection that thankfully failed for the majority to say enough? Because the last time we were here, we were talking about the, the election recently where the majority showed up and said, you can't take away women's rights. But the fact that it's on a razor's edge, I, like, I'm like you, it's scary shit. I don't think people are realizing how scary it is. They just think, oh, Biden's so, going to win. And I'm so glad that you brought up the insurrection because there's also a, another bit of news uh, that, that happened this week that I think is important to lift up as we're talking about 
all the ways that the Republican Party is moving um, in lockstep in uh, with Donald Trump and fascism. And this is uh, from the Daily Beast. Um, at a Homeland Security Committee hearing uh, on Wednesday, Representative Clay Higgins, Republican from Louisiana, claimed that the FBI put operatives into, quote, Waj, get this, ghost buses to incite the January 6th attack. Higgins was interrogating FBI Director Christopher Wray, who denied that FBI agents organized any type of operation because, mind you, they've done their own internal investigation. The committee, the January 6th committee, did its own internal investigation, right? But the Republican Party keeps up with this fucking lie. And now mm. it's being expanded with this ghost buses. But let me let me just say this. Um, that although Higgins was out of time for his questioning, um, showing that the and, and was claiming that the FBI informants dreamt, dressed up uh, as Trump supporters. Right. Because wow. this is, again, part of part of their lie. This is wow. coming from a representative on the Homeland Security Committee. This is what he said to Christopher Ray before his mic was cut off. Your day is coming, Mr. Wow. Ray. Well, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Wow. So, folks, when we continue to say, right, that this party is unhinged, Donald Trump is calling his political opponents vermin, reporters, anyone that goes against him and is thinking vermin. When we say that you have a right-wing fascist white supremacist that is two heartbeats away from the presidency. You have people that are sitting on committees, tearing apart our own intelligence agencies because they want to run with the lie that it wasn't Donald Trump and his supporters that incited this violence. It was all one big massive setup. This mm. is shit that used to be on the fringe, right? That came from fringe outlets like the fucking Inquirer that are now front and center. And and you know you you I have to mention this story because it's it's sad but funny how Donald Trump has now colored and shaped the entire Republican Party. I'm glad you gave that example of Clay Higgins, but look at this example, right? It, 
and before I give you this example, I've said this before on the show, I'll say it again. If they can go after Mike Pence, the whitest, most conservative man on earth, if they can go after Chris Ray openly, a white man who's the head of the FBI, what makes you think you'll be safe? If you're poor, mm -hmm. a woman, a black person, brown, Asian, like this, they're going after powerful white men who are conservatives. And here's an example of another white conservative going after another white man, uh, modeling himself after Trump, belligerence and violence, stochastic terrorism. Here is Senator, I can't make this up, Mark Wayne Mullen of mm -mm. Oklahoma, who threatened uh, labor leader Sean O'Brien to a fight at the Senate Help Committee and he said he'd take him any time in any place. And then he got up and then Bernie Sanders had to be like the nice Jewish uncle. He's like, OK, everybody sit down, sit down, relax, sit down. This literally happened. And we're sitting there and we laugh, but we're like, this is a shit show that our Senate has become because we have coddled and mainstreamed and rationalized the economic anxiety of white fragility, white supremacy and white violence. That literally this dude is standing up in public with cameras on him threatening mm -hmm. the labor leader to a fight. And then Grandpa Sanders has to be the voice of moderation in the room. It's like sad, Daniel. And, it's and, funny, and but just, it's sad. And just know that that ill-named man uh, <laughs> would exit stage left and then go directly to Fox News, where he was applauded, right, by, his, by the conservative anchors and saying that anything less than that would have been wimp would have been, you know, would have been a cop out because they're cheering on white toxic masculinity because yeah. they want a strong man. Right. And they are showcasing this for Donald Trump to say, pick me, pick me for your cabinet, pick me, pick me. And I just, you know, we want to laugh at this shit. And I'm saying what we've just laid out for you folks in 25 minutes is a dystopian present that we are living in, not even a future, a dystopian present that we're living in. And it can only, if you think that now is bad, if you think that the four years, initial four years of Donald Trump was bad, the reign of Donald Trump, the unbridled reign of Donald Trump will be like nothing we've ever seen. Hmm. But you know what? At least it's good television. And he's entertaining. At least he's entertaining. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Ajahn Ali. And we will maybe, just in case, be back <laughs> next week. Maybe. If, in fact, we have a country left. Inshallah. Inshallah.